Welcome everybody back to episode number five. Five of the Ziola podcast. This is a. I've been psyched for this one because uh, I actually wanted to do this one probably episode two or three, but we had good guests lined up, and and you know when they say they can do it, you just got to get you in, do it, it, get it done, run yeah, with it. You run with it. And um, and timing. Everyone's busy. Got to embrace the grind. Unfortunately. Um, we're just going to talk shit today, me and you. Just me and you? Yeah. No guest. No guest. Hang on, does that mean I'm your guest and you're my guest? I think so. Oh. In, in, in Studio Maruba Road. Beautiful. This is, uh, we're in Studio Bruce Bordell. Oh, very nice. I didn't know you'd named it. Oh, no, that's the name of my house, oh. Bruce Bordell. Very you, nice. You can go on Instagram and uh, log in that you're at Bruce Bordell. Ah, is that what you put under your Airbnb? Ah, very nice. Bruce Bordell. Very nice. Which, Bordell is the French word for uh, mess, but it actually means whorehouse. <laughs> well, you are, so, you know, that's fair I enough. It's fair but enough. my house is definitely not messy. No, that's that. Uh, did you live in the exactly? I think if people have seen, uh, been checking out our Instagram, yeah, uh, 100% you'll see that uh, Andrew is the neatest person I know. The neat, no, I'm serious. I, that's like, you always freak you know, out in my kitchen, yeah, in your kitchen. I just, it's like, no, I mean, I try, right? I try to keep, keep uh, my kitchen is clean, right? It's not I'm, like there's, I'm sure it's not dirty, but there's always stuff. I, we that my my house seems to magnet stuff. No, no stuff. So no stuff here. You know, I don't clutter. I have no clutter in no, my life. No clutter. It's good. It's good, man. It's good. I'm a bit jealous of that. Well, I travelled for so many years. And I lived by one rule. Yeah. And that rule was, I carried nothing with me that I couldn't pack up in 40 minutes and walk out the door. Yeah, fair enough. 17 years I lived like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm learning to do that with the amount that I'm travelling at the moment, I have one bag that does me for 12 days. And then, and with the first time I went away on a, on a long trip like that, I had, I think I had three bags. <laughs> I've got it to one. <laughs> got it to one. I've got it to one. But listen, oh, the, what I wanted to say is in the episodes, we've pretty much like discussed with our guests uh, what, we covered everything about we've you and We've covered me, Alice yeah. in Chains and we've covered and you know, and Jane's Addiction. We, we, and, you know, we're not harp on so anything, I, I, don't I get want, that. Yeah, I don't want to bore people. I don't want to go over the same shit over and over again. That's not, don't get bored, don't leave us. No, no, we love you. We do. We do. Keep liking us. Please subscribe. Please, please, please. Um, so you asked me a question a couple of weeks ago uh, before I went on my last big trip. I did a Darwin run. Was I um, drinking? I don't know. It was on the phone. I don't remember. But um, and you said, if you're on a desert island and you could pick one artist to take with you and that was all you were able to listen to, 
for the rest of your life? On your desert island. What would it be? Now, this did my head in for a couple of days, right? <laughs> I knew it would. Because, listen, there's bands that I love. I mean, Alice in Chains, Primus, you know, uh, Pantera, Tool. But there are days I don't want to listen to those guys. There are days it's like, you know what? I need a Tribe Called Quest today. I need hip hop. I need, I need, I need something different. I need something mellow. I need Concrete Blonde. I need, you know, whatever it is. I, insert name here, whatever. So, initially, my first initial response was Clutch. Now, Clutch have, I think, 15 albums. So I figured, all right, that gives me a big back catalogue. It's also pretty much all, I mean, their earlier stuff was a bit more experimental than their later stuff. The stuff they're releasing now is just, it's blues rock. I figure that, that covers most bases. Apart from, okay, there's no hip hop in there. It's bluesy, there's some mellow stuff, there's some upbeat stuff. So I figured, all right, break my arm, that's all I can take. I'm going with Clutch. Then I found a loophole. <laughs> okay. There's no loophole. Then You're I found a loophole. No, 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 no. But if it's only one artist that I can take, <laughs> right? Another only one I yeah. found. I'm picking Mike Patton. You're picking Mike. Okay. I'm picking Mike Patton. Right. Now I went on went online today and 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 looked up, and this is just things I could remember. Um, some things I didn't know. All right, so Mike Patton's a faith no more. Everyone knows that. Mr. Bungle. Majority. Tomahawk, which we saw Dimension. a couple of years ago. I yeah. know, you keep telling me. I don't know where it was. was it's there? at the Metro. I, I, you keep telling me. We were pretty drunk. <laughs> we must have been because yeah. I physically feel that I wasn't there, but you tell me. Well, Ant-Man was there, Goose was there. Stop um, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, we, so now, hang on. Now, now you're freaking me out because yeah. I know I would have got us the tickets. Yeah. And we were walking up the stairs and they walked up next to us. Hey, how the fuck are you? Yeah, what's going on? So I think... Uh, I have no recollection of that. No? Nah? No, nah, it was a good gig. Fuck, that's... <laughs> All right. So those three bands give you your big rock stuff. Okay. Okay, then there's Mondo Kane. Now, Mondo Kane is um, Patton playing with an orchestra, singing Italian love songs. So it's very mellow, it's very Tony Bennett-like, but it does it all in Italian. So I feel okay, so that gives me that side of stuff. Um, General Patton and the Executioners, so that gives me a lot of hip-hop, because that's him sampling, doing a few songs, basically scratch-battling the Executioners. Okay. Um, Peeping Tom, again, that's a wide variety of music. You know, he collaborated with Cool Keith and, um, oh, what's that? Oh. Shitload. Can't I can't believe right. you found a fucking I found it, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I haven't finished yet. All right. Dillinger Escape Plan, right? He's done a lot of stuff with them. A band I'd never heard of before, too, actually, called Dead Cross and another one called Team Sleep. Never heard of them, but he's supposedly... A, he's a busy boy, He's Mike a Patton, busy boy. He? He's singing for both of them. Another one, Lovage, never heard of him. Medulla, never heard of them, but he's the singer for them. So, okay, that gives me another couple of albums there. Um, Handsome Boy Modelling School as well. Handsome Boy Modelling School. Yeah. 
Is that uh, after the Hanson brothers? No. No, 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 no. It's it's quite old. Like I think it's about 10, 12 years old, maybe early 2000s. Hanson boy modeling school. Yeah. And it was it might have been with <laughs> Dillinger Escape Plan someone like that. I'd have I, to I don't I'm not fact checking that shit. It's a great name for a band. Yeah. Fact. Um the Melvins. Uh, Neverman, Phantomus, and I get the Judgment Night soundtrack as well. So that was my and plus there's two solo albums from 96 and 97 I had no idea existed uh, one of them's called Adult Themes for Voice and the other one was called uh, Pranzo Old Transistor so okay man so if I'm stuck on a desert island I get the Mike Patton back catalogue because that gives me everything lots of stuff to list and all different stuff as well so, thank you, Mike Patton. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can live on a desert island with just your shit, bro. Yeah, I, I had to find it. I had to find it. So. Bravo. It was about... No, I pay that. I pay that. I love... I, I like the loophole. Yeah, well, it was about... It did take me about four days to think of it. But when I did, I almost rang you and it was like, no, 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 no. Uh, no, I'm glad because I gotta you, wait. you got me. Because yeah. I thought mine was better. You thought, what was yours? My Desert Island Band? Yeah. Easy. The Beatles. Ah, true. True. See, I'm not okay. a big... I'm not a huge Beatles fan. Ah, you know? no, you don't have to be a big Beatles fan. No. Okay, but... <clears throat> to quote a great man... Well, great-ish man. <laughs> Kurt Cobain, for mine, sums it up better than anybody. Yeah. The Beatles, in the history of music, of music as we are today, from let's say, the 60s onwards. Mm-hmm. In that time frame, there's been no other band that has had such a progression in music. They started with Love Me Do and they finished with Sgt. Peppers. Yeah. I mean, as evolution of a band, you don't come more well, full they wrote, they wrote the book on that. They really, wrote, they wrote the book yeah. on that. Yeah. Recently, I saw a documentary about Sgt. Peppers and they interviewed Pink Floyd. Yeah. Gilmore, Dave Gilmore. Uh, was it Dave Gilmore? Give me the other. Yeah. It's not... Who's the lead singer? I thought that was. Oh, mm. I, see, I don't know. Anyway. We don't check any of this stuff, guys. We, so we if we're wrong, we're wrong. We're and wrong, we're wrong. Send yeah, me an email. Yeah, exactly. What can I do? <laughs> don't, don't fact check us. Anyway, no. but... Pink Floyd was being interviewed and they were talking about the time when Sgt. Peppers had just been released on the radio and they were playing it in full and they were driving to a gig... Yeah. And they pulled over on the side of the road and listened to the entire album. Yeah, right. In silence, probably having a few joints. And they're on the way to a gig. Yeah. Sound check. Yeah. And they all turned to each other and went, well, fuck. Yeah. What do we do now? Yeah. I mean, if that's not evolution to the point that it, your, your peers within the industry are going, fuck, we're lost for words. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've made a great album. I mean, the Beatles, right through all their back catalogue, the White Album, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Yellow Submarine, Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, and, and the thing is, you can start at the beginning, right at the beginning, and listen all the way through the back catalogue up until Sgt. Pepper's, and you can understand the progression. Yeah. And the evolution, you can hear it. Yeah. And if there's a fucking loophole, right? Then surely, yeah. 
I get Paul McCartney and Wings. Oh, yeah. yeah. George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, Ringo Starr's done plenty of stuff with plenty of people. Yeah. Fuck it. Paul McCartney's still still writing. I saw still him. Still writing. He did. You did. You I did. saw him. I yeah. saw him. And, and I'm not going to say amazing seats. As I sat in my seats, were at the back of the wall behind me, first balcony, looking straight down Kudos, and I was looking at the floor, and my seats were $250. Yeah. About five minutes in, I thought to myself, I would have paid $1,500 to be on the floor. Yeah, right. It was that good yeah. within five minutes. Yeah. He blew me away. And, 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 you know, he personalized it in a stadium of 35,000 people. Yeah, close to that. Close to yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, my God. I felt like he was talking to me. Yeah. You know, and his, you know, the catalogue that he played, whether it was Beatles, Wings, Paul McCartney, you knew every song. Yeah. And there was a moment, I, I go to a lot of gigs with my friend uh, Dave, yeah. Uncle Fokker. Owns a cafe down in Coogee, the Courtyard Cafe. Great coffee, apparently. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> so we go to a lot of gigs a lot because he's my only single friend. He has a child, but babysitters are wonderful. <laughs> So we got a lot of gigs together and I took him to that and he's like, you know, we're talking six foot three, Aussie bloke, staunch, great with the ladies, everything you would think about. Yeah. So we're sitting in this gig and the Scottish pipe band comes out and they do more of Kintai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I look across at Dave, he's got tears running yeah. down his face and I'm like, are you all right? He's like, Ugh. so we just let the song come out and let him go. Didn't say anything. Good Aussie yeah. man. We don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. He's crying. You're right, bro. You're right, bro. You're yeah. right. And he leans over to me and says, "That was my mother's favourite song. Yeah, and she used to well. play it to me as a child yeah. to get me to sleep." Fuck. And he said, "Oh, I, I just lost it. Yeah, I just lost it." And that's what music can do for you. Yeah, but that that that's. What with what you're just saying there too strikes me with a good with a good performer, a good musician, you cannot replace time. Okay, one of the things that's lost on new bands, and what you don't see with a new band that you see when you see guys that have been playing for twenty or thirty years, like when we saw the Melvins. I'd ne never seen them before, hadn't really heard any of their shit, but damn, you could tell those guys have been playing for 30 years. Oh, 100%. You could tell. Like, you can tell a band that's playing good music, but they've been together three or four years. To guys that have been doing it so that they could do it in their sleep, you cannot replace time. And I think we're, we're a little bit too quick to throw away guys that, okay, they haven't had a hit single for a while. They're not you really... Know, you know, like every band you know. has that album in between. Yeah. You know, they come out strong or they have a, a good debut album and then they progress to something strong and then the yeah. next one's going to be a little bit mm. like that. So they're going to go yeah. into the, um, you know, their blue phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when, you, but when you see the guy... But I think it's a live thing, though, in that the, the time that you put into playing your instrument and perfecting your craft as a live performance, which I think a bit of the emphasis these days is taken off that, especially in popular music, that 
the more that you do that and the more years you have under your belt, the easier it looks and the more you can cross that communication gap between, you know, get over the top of the bouncer's head and communicate with those people that are, that have paid money to come and see you play. You know, like it's, it's uh, yeah, that would have been fucking cool to see. Oh, uh, is I saw a beetle. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know what? And it just, it changed my life. Yeah. See, I, I would never, I mean, I totally groove on what you're saying. Like there, that's like a really good uh, way of um, explaining why you would go and see someone like that. I would never, if someone had said to me, you know, come and see, pay 200 bucks to come and see Paul McCartney, I would never. You wouldn't pay it. No, I wouldn't pay it. But but I think that if I... I'm a gig pig. You're a gig pig. But if I, but listen to your way you talk about it then, I want to go. No, exactly. I I, I call myself a gig pig, but I do it for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all, how do I explain it? There's a void that surrounds me when I'm at a gig and I'm watching that music and it envelopes me, it protects me, it makes me feel at home. And there can be, a, you know, 35,000 people around me and I feel like I'm the only person there. And yeah. it's, the, it's the only thing that does that in my life. Yeah. That and snowboarding. Yeah. When I'm snowboarding down a mountain and I'm, I'm driving deep powder lines, everything goes Yeah. And I'm focused. Music gigs are the only other thing that makes me feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I, and, and, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it just makes me feel good. Yeah. And if we're not in this world to feel good, then what the fuck are we doing here? And and music is one of those things like that can do that for people that don't practice the craft either right no, because because, I, because that's i mean i can't play no when i play <laughs> i'm in a headspace that's mine and everyone else can fuck right off you know and not in a bad way no, but, but that's that's my time and there's that's no one else there no there's no one else there and it, it, even when you even when you're playing in a band i mean that's that's one of the things actually i know that you like i mean you you go you saw eddie vetter solo you saw chris cornell solo opera house and and they they would be great gigs, for me personally. I appreciate a good band a lot more than I appreciate a solo artist because that world that you create in your own head, being able to communicate that to someone else in a nanosecond, that to, that's what I vibe off when I'm playing. Mm. And and lately I've been doing a lot of um, playing music, just recording stuff by myself. Which is great fun because I can do whatever the fuck I want, but that live aspect of bouncing off someone else's energy and being able to tap into their energy and create your headspace and get it to merge with them is the only thing that I miss about playing gigs, you know, and about playing, you know, doing the grind band band rehearsal thing and you know all that sort of shit. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, that's just my opinion, <laughs> but that's all good. All right. Another little surprise for you. Now, I know we did say we're not talking about Jane's Addiction and Alice in Chains and blah, 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 because we've been through that. But I do want to talk about Jane's Addiction briefly because I'm going to put you through a little bit of a test. 
So what I've done <laughs> is I have derived I quiz? the Jane's Addiction <laughs> Ultimate Quiz. Okay, it's only 10 questions, right? All right. Only see 10 questions. No, I'm, 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 hey. So the, fir- the first couple are pretty easy, all right? right? So let's, let's see how much of a fan you actually are. All right. Okay, so what year did Jane's Addiction form? Now, just just to, hang on. Pre, just I want to preempt this. Yeah. In that the the answers that I got were from Wikipedia. Okay. Okay, so they could be wrong. Okay, so I'm going to say that uh, nothing shocking came out in 1987. So I've got to imagine. Have a split. 85, 86. 85. 85. 85. 85. 85. Yeah. Triple X came out. Well, it was released. It was recorded before, but it was released after. Okay. okay, so, so I'll, I'll, second question is... I'm one for is, one. You're one for one. Second question, first release. First release album? Yeah. Nothing... Mm. Trick question. Trick question. I believe it was nothing... Oh, short. no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. No, say, say. Go, go, go. First release. I mixed up my questions here, but I'll First release album or single? Just f- first release album. I'm going to say nothing shocking because I think it's a trick question that Triple X was recorded earlier but released afterwards. Okay, well, it's a double trick question, okay? Ah. Because the first release actually was Jane's Addiction, which we know as Triple X Records. But Triple X Records was the name of the label that they created to release the live album called Jane's Addiction. Um, They put that together, went to Warner Brothers... Warner Brothers, they'd done a small release under Triple X Records, um, but the main release of that album didn't come until after Nothing Shocking. So the first release is actually Jane's Addiction on Triple X Records, their first major release. I knew it was recorded, but I knew that Nothing Shocking came out on Warner Brothers, yeah. and I and what... I thought that it was re-released, well, not re-released, but yeah. released in collaboration with Triple X, which was their brand. Which was their brand, yeah, yeah. After nothing shocking. Yeah, but they had already done a. Do small, I get a half point for that? You get a half point okay. for that because they'd already done a small release, and I didn't know that until I actually went into yeah. this. Okay. You know, it's like hang that. On, hang on, hang on. Yeah. on default, small. Yeah. When we're talking small release, we're talking yeah. about a band <laughs> yeah. selling them at gigs that they're doing. Yeah. It's so what, a, what was it's interesting? What was interesting about that though is that we still call that Triple X Records. Always have. Always have. It was called Jane's Addiction. It was called Jane's Addiction. And again, that was, I didn't know that until I looked in, started looking into oh. this. You know. So. All right. So the year of their first major release was. Nineteen eighty-seven. Nineteen eighty-seven. Warner Brothers. Nothing shocking. All right. Question four. So you're on two and a half. <laughs> Question four, give me the name of the current lineup. The current the lineup. The current lineup. Perry Farrell. Yep. Dave Navarro. Mm-hmm. Steve Perkins. Yep. And it's, I paused because I was thinking about the bass player and his name is Mike Cheney. Close. Chris Cheney. Chris Cheney. <laughs> oh, no. I'm thinking about Pornofrares. It was Mike, who was the bass player who came from Minutemen. Um, oh. Also played with Banyan. It was Mike Watt. That's it. Sorry. Chaney. That's it. Chris, Chris Chaney. Chaney. That's it. Come on. I, I, that's 
if I just said Chaney, it would have been point. Was Mike what the guy that played Mike, with, Mike, with pornos when we saw exactly, them? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So Mike what came from, uh, oh, how else do I describe it? Infants LA band called The Minutemen. That's right. And he he was the second bass player in Porno for Pyro. He, he was a touring yeah, bass player, yeah. more of a session bass yeah, he player. Did, he, yeah, he didn't play on the re- on the albums, but he didn't play yeah. on the albums. But he played as the uh, touring session bass player, and he was good, uh, very good. Yeah. Oh, Mike Watts, iconic yeah. bass player in, in a caftan up on stage, hundred <laughs> percent. And sick. he also Steve Perkins' side band, which is Banyan. Everybody, go out and have uh, a listen to Banyan. Yeah. Like a banyan tree. Uh, the album is called Lifetime. Once in a lifetime, lifetime. Oh, we'll check that out. Banyan. We'll check that. Yeah, no. Listen to Banyan. Yep. It is basically a jazz funk fusion album of Steve Perkins on drums, Mike Watt on bass, and a collaboration of other different LA artists. But mm. it changes for each song. There's basically, I think, two songs where they have a female singer come in and the rest is just instrumental. Yeah, right. It is I mean, could phenomenal. And per- I saw Perkins. them live in San Francisco. Yeah, right. And I was enjoying myself so much. I drove there, got a little drunk, ended up... It was such a small club gig, jazz gig. It was in a tiny place in San Francisco. I couldn't remember the name of it. And I ended up sitting on the stage drinking beers with Steve Perkins. Yeah. And then chatting at the bar with Mike Watt, and they were signing CDs and stuff like that. That's when they were first coming out. So it was yeah. like Roots. Yeah. For such a big name artist to be playing this small club, small band, hang out with them. I was like, oh, I'll have another beer. I'll, have, I'll be right there. Yeah. So I walked outside, looked at my car, and I thought, I'm blind. So I had to sleep in my car in San, downtown but San Francisco. But worth it. Come oh, on. 100% worth it, but I yeah. didn't sleep that well because yeah. it was... Like, not in a great neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah. like, I'm, I was going to say, white kid sleeping on the back of his shitty fucking car. Yeah. People were knocking on yeah. my window at like, four in the morning saying, do you have a cigarette, dude? Yeah. I'm like, oh, God. No, no I'm asleep. Out. Can you see me sleeping? I'm still drunk. I can't drive home. <laughs> but be responsible. Uh, don't drink and drive. Definitely don't drink and mm, podcast. No. <laughs> All right. Number five. I want... The I'm gonna give you the second name, the second word in a title of a song. You're gonna give me the first word. Okay. All right. So the first one's easy. Says. Jane. Yeah. Days. Three. Because. Just. Um, lies. Oh, this this couple of words are before this one. It's off the latest stuff. Lies. Mm-hmm. In, into the lies. Into the lies? No. Um, close. That's. Did you say into? Into. It's very close. Into the lies. So into e- the e- lies. Yeah, into yeah. the lies. Into the lies. Um, away. Chip. Yeah. Girl. Classic. Yeah. Stealing. Being caught. Being caught. Size. Ocean. Divers. Slow. Very good. All right. So Jane's Addiction have their Spinal Tap moment with their bass player. Spinal Tap had their drummer, always a new drummer. Jane's Addiction, since Eric left after the first, you know, uh, uh, first uh, incarnation of Jane's Addiction, Mm. they've been through a few. They've been through a few. All right. Which, which, 
No, I'll be honest, it's a shame. It's... Oh, he's, he's a demon. It's personality differences between Perry and, yeah. and Eric. Because as a bass player, I remember reading an interview with Perry Farrell as to why he wanted Eric to play with them initially. And the story was is that they were at a party and they were jamming and Eric played the same bass line for four hours. No embellishments, no mistakes. Well, they were all just jamming over the top of him, you know? And so Perry went, yep, that's the guy. He's you know? methodic. Yeah. And and as a bass player, like when when I hear things like that, it's like, that's what I need to be doing. I mean, I need to be like, that disciplined and that sort of, yeah. you know? You think about, even as a person or a bass player, yeah. the intro to three days. Yeah. Three days is unbelievable. Because I taught myself to play that whole song, man, uh, just by listening to it. And that was such an inspiration, you know? And actually, Paul, being yeah. episode five, yeah. should we not bring everyone up, up to speed why it's called Zayola Podcast? Oh, well, it's, be, it's because of that song. It's that song. It's yeah. my favourite song. Yeah, and it's my favourite and for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different reasons yeah. but I mean that bass line that intro but um, but guys go, go go do yourself a favour put that song on and the first 15 seconds 15 seconds just yeah. just turn, turn it, it up, up enough or listen to it on your uh, noise cancellation headphones and you'll hear a little poem just just under yeah. It's not over. Or well, some of the live versions, though, he does do that. Mm. There are bootleg live versions of there that are. where you can hear it. But, but if, you, yeah. if you just listen to that poem, you'll understand what we're talking about. And then yeah. you'll, if you listen to the song, you'll understand what the song is about. And, it's yeah. and, and that, I mean, for, for people that ha- haven't listened to the, the first episode of, of our podcast, where we you know, briefly spoke about our friendship growing out of music, it was pretty much that album and this song, you know, mm. like you, you gave me a tape of it and I listened to it on the way to school and went, holy fuck, what the fuck's that? You know, it's like a, a 10 I minute, mean, a 10 minute song that wasn't boring at any section, you know, was, was unbelievable. Just but, on a sidebar, how good yeah. were tapes back in the day? <laughs> we could record anything. I know, I know like Lars from Metallica is really against anyone dubbing anything or yeah. recording anything. I understand yeah. that sharing online, but used to be great yeah I'll, but I'll I, make I, you a mixtape I just watched the um, the a Tribe Called Quest documentary um, and they talk about sitting with your tape player on the radio you know with the radio going and having record and pause <laughs> and waiting for the song that yeah, got it got yeah. it got the whole intro knocked out the DJ you know and, and yeah that's I mean you would have done that I did that oh, so many times all right, so what I want you to name for me, how many bass players can you name from Jane's Addiction? From Jane's Addiction alone? Yeah. Eric Avery? Yep. Uh, Flea? Yep. Uh, Chris Chaney? Yep. I'm going to say Mike White did a cameo in there as well. I'm not sure. He wasn't listed. Right. But I'm not sure. I can't say yes or no to that. Let's just fucking throw him in there anyway, and right. if he's not, prove us wrong. Well, because he did Porno for Pyro, he did Banyan. Yeah. I'm so going to say I mean, he did he, a live gig here and there. He would have, yeah. Uh, how many are there? 
How close are There's I? three more that I know of for sure. Three more? Yeah. One, one of them is a little bit out of, you You wouldn't wouldn't have picked it. And a little bit out of, out of left field. I can't go, yeah, that's... that's All right, so the, the, the other three that were, were listed, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. Oh, he was too. Yeah, and he actually wrote a bit of stuff on the last he, album he, too, you know? He did, I did. Yeah, um, and then there were a couple of guys that I hadn't heard of. One guy called Martin Lenoble. Well, Martin right. Lenoble was the original. He was the album bass player for Porn and for Pirate. Yeah, right. I didn't want to put him right. in as James. I knew he was the bass player for Porn and for Pirate. I didn't yeah. know that he he, he was to... listed. I mean, like I said, look, my source was Wikipedia. Yeah, so, exactly. But he yeah. would have been listed as a touring touring bass yeah. player. Yeah, so, and not not a, these aren't. I mean, these are. I mean, Flea didn't record with James Addiction either. He did with Pornos for Pyros, but mm. he was a live bass player for um, for James Addiction, and David Sitek is the mm. other name that I had. Which rings a bell. Yeah. What else has he done? Don't know. Oh. Don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. I was just concentrating on these guys, man. That's okay. it. All right. This is a little bit of an odd question. Number seven. Um, what was Perry's cat's name? Maceo. There you go. You're on board tonight, bro. Okay. Well, it's named after Maceo Parker. Maceo Parker? Eh, there you go. But that, so- that song... On kettle whistle, mm. that's my one of my favourite songs on that album. You know, just because it's it, it, it is odd and it's different and it's you know exactly. Yeah, people do yourself a favour, go and get Jane's edition kettle whistle because it's it's, it's as obscure as you get. Yeah, it's a bit Jane's of B side stuff, a bit of a bit everything. Of you know, jazzy stuff. It shows it shows well what we're talking about yeah where they came from what they listened to between the ages they were 14 to 20 I'm yeah sure, i'm sure perry Fellow was listening to maceo parker in new york city and his father was playing that kind of jazz because it was new york jazz yeah and that's why the influences run through his life and his and his work and yeah. his music. what role did flea play on nothing shocking oh good question he did he not because he didn't record with them as a bass player at any stage except for Paul no Lewis. he didn't did he play the piano on thank you boys no Ooh. he played the trumpet on idiot's rule <gasps> yeah because he does play trumpet in he the chili peppers play, as yeah, well he does. You know? yeah. Yeah. he's a uh, bloody talented talented guy he's in he's in he's, he's australian that's right yeah that's right he's in um Back to the Future. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's in a lot. He's in a lot. Is he my own private owner? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, last question. Last question. Last question. Come on, let's bring it home. All right. Warner Brothers was the winner for the major legal... Sorry, major label battle for the band. How many albums was the deal for? The the Warner Brothers deal was for three albums... So they released Nothing Shocking as the debut, uh, 992 Richard De La Habitual, then the band imploded and broke up because of the creative difference between uh, Eric Avery and Perry Fowl. And they released, after the band had broken up, Live and Rare, which was a mix of rarities, B-sides and stuff like that, and they just did that to get their money out of it, which Perry Fowl was completely aggressive. He was contractually committed to yeah. doing it. 
Okay, but the original deal was for seven albums. Was it? It was for seven. Because you've got to think of the time. At the seven time... albums? Are yeah. you fucking serious? Yeah. At the time, and pretty much up until the end of the 90s, uh, when the internet came in, mm. the the music industry, like for a band that they knew was going to sell, they would tie them up for a long time. Like these days, you get a one album deal mm. two album at the most it, I mean it's not that that sort of number was not unheard of or you know like unexpected back back then and I think it was one of the the biggest signings at the time in terms of money you know mm. like because I mean I mentioned I watched the Tripod Quest doco they signed I think for six albums so the the last one off the, off their contract was, only came out two years ago you know, when, once they they pretty much had had stopped recording mm. from from the early two thousands, and yeah, it was only that Five Dog was ill and it was was just about to die that they mm. went back into the studio and, and did another record. So. Cancer, uh, diabetes. Yeah, surely it can be controlled. Well, he he had problems with it his whole life, and um, didn't look after himself. You know. Well, okay, so. He, yeah. died, he didn't die from diabetes, he died no, from but not taking care of it. Well, not taking care of it. And, you know, still eating shit tons of sugar when, you know... <laughs> yeah, but the way he describes it, he was a sugar addict. Exactly. You know, yeah. and... Uh, You're going to have an insulin heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think wow. you get... I think I'll give you, like, eight and a half out of ten. I think that's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. There were some that I didn't think you'd get that you did. So... <laughs> that's good. We've been getting a good following on our um, Instagram, which yep. is... At, at Ziola Podcast. Remember, people, Ziola is spelt with an X, not a Z. We're getting a good following at the moment. Yeah. Keep yeah, following, keep liking us. Uh, we update uh, small snippets of videos, photos and stuff like that from the podcast. You yep. see, get, you know, it's good to get a visual on the people that you're listening to. Yeah, and just let you guys know when when new episodes are coming up, and you know what what we're looking at doing, and also we're open to suggestions. If if um, yeah, if you want us to talk about something, or you know, hey, even if you want to contact us and want to come in and join the podcast, yeah, open for that. DM us, and uh, yeah, we'll look, we'll get back to everybody, and we'll like everybody. So yeah. um, just give us a follow. We'll give you automatic follow back as well. So hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Oh, I'm done. Turn. I'm done. Are oh, you done? Yeah. Well, where do I start? I, <laughs> actually, I know where I'm sorry. I've got a few little surprises for you tonight. All right, please. cool. My question to you is... Yeah. We saw a lot of bands growing up. Yeah. I don't everything, talk, everything we could see. Everything we could see. We could afford to see. We grew up in a great generation where... Not often was a cover charge, and if it was, it was five bucks. Yeah. To go to... I mean... You go to the the Hope Town, go and see Friends or Roman front end loader, and you know, guys like that, ten ten bucks, mate. If 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 on a bad night, you on know? a bad night, yeah, they're gonna make their own money off the bar because we were even on a school night, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and we mean literally school night. Not saying we were underage. <laughs> Name me five venues that you went to as a kid. As a, as as into play as a kid. Either or, you can you say play at them or venues that you went to see bands play at. What I want to talk about is the current climate of live venues. Yeah. Uh, 
and the lack thereof. Oh, lack thereof. This yeah. is the problem. But it's, it's been happening like that for 20 years. Well, this is know? it. But we yeah. came from a generation 20 years ago uh, when seven nights a week you go see a band. Yeah. So, yeah. give me five venues that you saw bands at or played at. Yeah. Well, usually both. Most, most of the venues I played at, I'd seen or would see someone there eventually so um two of my favorites that i both played at and saw bands at was the hope town the hope town when i first moved out of home was my local pub it was just around the yeah, corner right around the corner oh you lived in, in that little that, that half little apartment shitty fucking oh. terrible place but i was just happy because it was mine you know um friends or rom uh band, sydney band best rock band name ever Kiss My Poodle's Donkey. Yeah. <laughs> they were a bunch of weirdos, but they... And you know, we should do a whole show and just on great band names. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. That's a good one. Um, the Lansdowne. Celebrate Rifles, Screaming Jets. Uh, Spider Bay. Spider Bay. And, and when... I mean, they, they shut down, then they reopened after they remodeled it, and we, we got to play there, which was cool. Um... Uh, where the the Excelsior, um, the Metro. I got to play at the Metro a couple of times, which was unfortunately not in the main room, but hey, I don't give a fuck. I got still got to play there, and you know I've seen some great bands there, and the Horden. I know that's not a pub, but I got to play there, and it was with a school band, but I got to play there. I got to stand on that stage where. The original stage as The original stage. Which is not, flipped not now, now. Which is flipped. flipped. So where you come in now is where the stage used to be. And mm. I mean, let's let's tick off the bands that I saw there. Nirvana, Faith No More, uh, Primus, Helmet, um, The Hard-Ons, Yothu Yindi, Violent Femmes, uh, who else? Chili Peppers. Midnight Oil. Yeah, saw Midnight Oil there. Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction in 19... What was it? 1991? No, 1990. 1990. Um, second last show before they... Second last show before they went to Hawaii and then disbanded. Too many. Too many. And, and that, I mean, for me, that was like... I'm on the stage where Perry Farrell played. I'm on the stage where... Eric Avery played. Eric, where Flea where Les Claypool Les Claypool stood I'm standing here where and playing my bass where Les Claypool stood and played his bass like that's the, the, for me that the, it doesn't get better than that you know like that 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 I, I love that place it's a as a venue it's pretty average in terms of okay the acoustics suck they do unless you're in the middle sort of two you know probably a third of the way back which is pretty much where the mixing desk is, you know, everything's pointed towards the mixing desk. It's pretty average, but I love the energy in that place. And I think we spoke about with, with James, I went to see Prophets of Rage with um, my son, Leroy, and um, it still had that energy. And I explained all the bands to him. I was listening and he, you know, I could tell his eyes were glazing over a little bit. Yeah, so to, to, to be able to take him to that place and experience the energy in there and, and 
him for him to understand that was super important and it's still my favorite place to go and see bands you know i love it uh, it's just so many good memories good bands things i can't remember <laughs> like sure. could, it, well it was you know. the first place i went to see a gig uh, where my parents said yeah go you're old enough yeah go and enjoy it yeah and i was 13 <laughs> like now in the modern world that we live in how many people say yeah <clears throat> Go with your mates, you're 13, you're old yeah. enough. Go see a gig at the Horton Pavilion. Yeah. It doesn't happen. No. They either go with them or they monitor it or they're waiting across the street the entire time and fucking panicking. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, different times. Different times. Different times. So, out yeah. of your five you listed, I yeah. think four, no, th- three four. are closed at least and one's been refurbished twice and... Yeah. Come back to the Lansdowne's back on again now. Yeah. The Hope Town, I don't, <sighs> don't know. I, I haven't dri- driven past. Like the last time I drove past, oh no, it she was, still bought it up. Yeah, it was closed. Yeah, yeah, which uh, is a shame because so it many, is a shame. Was, and I think you know, no one wants to buy it. There's oh, there's heritage listing, and then yeah. people they, they, there's the fight between knock it down, rebuild, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And it's like the history in that place, the bands that see, like. Roots bands that yeah. came up through. Um, yeah, I, I still remember walking down because um, there's the other little pub up the road there, Cricketers Arms. I walk mm. past the Cricketers Arms, go down to the. I still remember just going to the shop to get milk or whatever, and listening. I could hear friends or Rom playing the Home and Away theme song, <laughs> smashing it out, and you could hear it as you walk past down the street. You know, like, yeah, it's just yeah to. We, you know, we we also sort of lament our youth a little bit in, you know, when you think of things like that. But you know, the passing of time and, and that sort of shit. But I, I pity the people don't experience that stuff anymore. You know. So. I mean, recently I took my fourteen-year-old uh, niece to the opera house for the first time. Yeah. To a band she had no idea. I went saw Stereophonics. Yeah. I saw them twice when they were here because I'd only seen them once before and I just... Like Kelly Jones, for me, one of the greatest voices in the modern era of rock yeah. and roll. Superb band. Yeah. Reliable band. Yeah. You can count on them. And I, I, I took my niece because she, for the similar reason, she'd never been to see a show at the Opera House. Yeah, I'm not right. sure she was only 14 years old, but, yeah. you know, this is a girl who's listening to... Oh, God knows what. Her birthday cake had some kid on it with grills, little fucking <laughs> diggity dig. Little spacko. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but she's in love with him. Yeah. So I took it as, you know, see yeah. that. As we walked in, I'd been at the gig the night before, and as we walked in, there was a filmmaker coming in. And he said, oh, yeah, rushed over to us. He's like, oh, wow, you, you brought your daughter, and she's coming to this gig. Does she yeah. love him? And I was like, oh, well, actually, no. So my daughter's my niece, yeah. and... Um, she has no idea what she's about to see, but I'm just bringing her to a concert at the Opera House yeah. to experience it. Yeah. And I'm a filmmaker. For me, that's a good little throw-in. Yeah. Has no idea what she's getting herself into. Yeah. That little surprise in her face, that innocence in her face, you know. Meet us afterwards. Yeah. Ask us how, it's, how it went. He was like, oh, okay, if you don't know the band, don't worry about it. No. <laughs> I was like, really, dude? Really? Because that sounded like a good angle to me, mate. Yeah. You know? All right, move along. Yeah. Two songs in, I mean, I got balcony seats, second yeah. row for us. She was on her feet, cheering and clapping. Yeah. She was in awe of just looking around that beautiful room and saying, and she said, it's not my kind of music, but 
I, I don't know. I feel really good right now. I said, yeah. Chloe, that's why I brought you. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to instill in. Like, we were so lucky in the generation that we grew up in for the different venues, the different bands we could, the bands that were coming through. And, and, and you know, unfortunately, look, there's been a big dip in local music bands or any emerging the, bands coming the, out in the, Sydney. The international bands too don't come here as much as when we were younger. Perfect no. example. We spoke about it earlier on. There's um, Download Festival coming. Yeah. Alice in Chains the headline. They're playing sideshows in every other city except, yeah, for Sydney. except, except for Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. Melbourne surprised me. Mm. So, I'm going to hit you with a couple of facts. All right. Okay. 176 live venue venues in Sydney have closed in the last 20 years. That's ridiculous. 418 licensed have closed in Sydney since 2014. 2014, that's four years. 418 licensed venues have closed in Sydney since 2014. I'm not talking about music venues, I'm talking about venues in general. Yeah. Okay. The government is not putting back into the live music. They have the lockout laws, and I know they're trying to work through them and stuff like that, and they have solved the problem. Look, no one wants kids to die. No. But the generation we grew up in, how many deaths do you remember at a gig? One. One? Yeah. Yeah, and that was at Eastern Creek. Pennywise. Pennywise used to do a thing where... um, their last song, they would invite the crowd onto the stage. Oh, this is this oh, is, a, this is always a great idea. Yeah. Every gig, and someone stage dived feet first, and connected with someone's neck, broke their neck, and they were dead about an hour later. So no. But we didn't know that. We didn't find out about that till about three days after, because it was a festival. It's an alternate nation. And so. people, I didn't know that. He was supposed to say zero. <laughs> Sorry, it's one. It's the only one I've known. It's the only one it's you the know. Only one. Okay. And, and it wasn't. It wasn't at a venue though. That's a, that's what that was more my no, point. No, exactly. Too. It wasn't a venue. That no, was a festival gig, which you know, and it was the first time these guys. I'm pretty sure it was Michael Chug, mm. because it was a muddy him. day and it was rain, raining. Mm. And um, what's that band with Secret Samadhi um, live mm. were playing? And look, I saw them at the ICC. It just was, recently but yeah it, but it would because I think it's 20 years since or 25 since Throwing Copper came out exactly so I saw yeah. that and it was uh, the Tea Party joint gig oh was really? their backup yeah oh, that would have been good oh. that would have been good I think more for the Tea Party I mean live yeah. are, are good but yeah, yeah. yeah mate. I'd seen them once before and that was at uh, Gladstonebury 25th anniversary in 1995 yeah right do yourself over if you ever get a chance to go to Gladstonebury do it it's yeah. not a festival it's a small city of music anyway another fact okay New South Wales government has contributed one million dollars over two years compared to Victoria who donated over a four year plan 22 million dollars to the music industry yeah listen listen Victoria and I listen I work for a company that sells art Victoria and Melbourne in particular are much more open and have a much better appetite for art in general Mm. but but it's because of things like that because it's encouraged 
I mean, you know? as a comparison, a million dollars over yeah. two years, $22 million over four years. Yeah. It's, there's no comparison. I mean, it's no surprise bands are leaving Sydney yeah. to go to Melbourne to yeah. get a start. Yeah. You it know? used to be the other way around. Your 100%. Melbourne bands would have to come to Sydney to make because it. this is where the major labels yeah. were situated. But when you know. you've got 176 live venues, I mean, I think the percentage over a five-year plan, which I read at the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was Andrew Taylor was the writer. Um, it's like 83% of live venues yeah. have closed over a five-year period. And, and the recent facility is um, the basement. Yeah. Oh. Damn. I should have mentioned that one. <laughs> the I, got, I got to play there too. So. Oh, you played the yeah, basement. I, I played there a few times. I mean, yeah. I saw, memorably, I saw uh, John Butler Trio. Yeah. When they released their last album, decided to release it at the basement. I mean, we were 350 people stood in that room. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I saw Jeff, lead singer of the uh, Tea Party, yeah. do an acoustic session there. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's what such a, a great space. Oh, yeah. And the thing was, we came in, booked a table, stage side, had dinner and wine, all included, as much as we could drink, yeah. for $155 each. That yeah. was a three-course fucking meal. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we, I went... I, I wish I could remember the name of the band, but it's um, uh, Will Calhoun and Doug Wimbish from Living Colour, so the drummer and bass player from yep. Living Colour, plus a, another... And I cannot think of his name to save my life. Um, and I think I've spoken about it before, but they did. I saw them once, and then they came back twelve months later and played the same venue. And I saw the midnight show, so they'd done an eight o'clock show, mm. kicked everyone out, and then did a midnight show. And we went uh, for the midnight show. One of the best gigs I've ever seen. Mm. Just sit there because they had they had they had that sort of the bar and then the little wooden fence and then mm. down to the tables, yeah, and you could sit them. at the wooden fence and just and. Oh, You're still only 15 feet away from the band, you know? Like yeah, 15 feet, which is yeah. three metres. No, but when you play there, mm. you're like, I'm playing, you're the audience, like, you're that fucking close, <laughs> yeah. man, you yeah. know? So and then it's not like Melbourne where everyone's like crossed arms going, no. show us what you can do. No, but it's also, when you play there, because it is such an iconic jazz venue, and, and I always felt the pressure of, you know what, if you're playing here you better play well because I mean there's there's a photograph of you know James Morrison's up on the wall and you know like all these jazz and like hey, whether you like his music or not no. the guy's a he's, he's a musical legend. legend I mean you hey, know, like, hey one artist who gets a gig every year at Twilight Taronga yeah James Morrison exactly exactly and then and, and, you know to, when, to have that pressure of all these musos have played in here and we played with a group called this is when I was playing in Dr. Smooth or Dopamine whatever it was at the time you remember a group called Foreplay and they were cello three violins mm -hmm. and they do like rock covers and stuff and you know well, they were one of the first of that, that sort of group and they were just starting to get I think they got signed and they were starting to you know get we supported them so the, the musos that were in the, in the audience we're classically trained musicians. Mm. Like, oh, I better be fucking good, you know. And one of the, the best compliments I ever got as a muso was I came off and I'd done a bass solo that night mm. and they said, Fuck, that was really good. And I was like, damn. I mean, these, these guys are conservatorium trained. 
Mm. Use those when I'm a self-taught smoking weed sitting in my fucking toilet. So that was yeah, that was. I'm glad you brought that one up because fuck, I've forgotten that place. Damn, that's that's fucking that's awesome. And it's gone. Yeah, but weren't they moving it? That's the, that was the article I read. Uh, well, was I mean, that they moved it. You know. Well, where did they move it? Look, I know it's about the air. I know it's about the essence of a place and yeah. the people who run it and stuff like that. It's still got to come down to location. Oh, dude, there is something about, and you hear guys talk about, like, say, Abbey Road Studios in in London, mm. and they walk in there, and it's like, damn, this is where John Lennon stood. Mm. And I'm gonna sing in, and that fuck that could be the same mic stand, and sure. and that's that. This is where they wrote that piece of music. Mm. That energy is instilled in inanimate rooms. Mm. So you can move the venue, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the article that I read. But you don't, you can't move that energy. You have to try and recreate it. Which yeah, is, but I, I don't, and I get that. I don't believe it'll be the same. I mean, it's no. like um, you know, look when Dave Grohl did the Sound Sound City. Yeah, and um, you know they interviewed the guys from Radio on the Machine. They said, "Why do you, do you want to record Sound City?" He said, "Well, pff, hey, it's where they record. Never mind. Yeah, how can you go wrong? Yeah, and they came out with um, well, Radio Against the Machine was their first. It was well, it was." Um who played on that album? No, oh. the name of the album. Rage Against, the first album. Oh, the first one, self-titled. Self-titled. Yeah. So they yeah. came out with Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. And they insisted on recording there against the studio's wishes. Yeah. And the simple answer was, why? Well, that's where they fucking recorded Nevermind. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. And there's that, that video of, of when he made, Dave Grohl made that album, mm. the Sound City one, um... And he used the drummer and the bass player from Rage, so Timmy C and Brad Wilk, mm. and they wrote an embellishment on what he'd already written, and they're like, "Oh, can we try this?" And fuck, riffed out or whatever they did, and he was like, "You know, <laughs> yes, we'll do that." You know, like it's and that room seemed to be, you know, I mean, had well, the, and, the, and as I said, every musician who recorded in that room said it was about the drums. Yeah sound of that room it, where you place the drums there was no room like it yeah and it, it was just a freak thing yeah so getting back to uh, you know the live venues <clears throat> look big ups to the guys from uh, Mary's Burgers in Newtown who took their money that they made from selling fucking burgers reinvested in the Lansdowne and reinvented it and now yeah. it has I think five to six nights a week they're doing yeah. gigs nice Amazing, we thank you. <clears throat> My other venue in town, which I'm loving at the moment, is Jazz Club, Illawarra Road, and Marrickville Road in Marrickville called Lazy Bones. All right. Started yep. in 2013, the owners Craig Peterson and Alex Heffernan, married couple, are just about the music. Yeah. And I was there recently uh, just to see a gig. It was my brother's birthday, and um, Craig Peterson got up on stage. And made this speech that just, oh, it just went right through me. He said, yeah. we're here and we're about musicians and we let any musician stand on this stage and preach their poetry and play to us anything that they want. And the fucking police 
every night come and try and shut us down and we send them away every night because we're yeah. well within our rights. The only thing that we can do is get people like you to keep coming. Yeah. Otherwise we die and we can't let it die. And it was like, I put it on my Instagram. It, yeah, I remember it, seeing that. It, yeah. it, 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 it tore right to the core of me. And this place is like, it's like going into your fucking crazy auntie's house. <laughs> There is shit on the walls and couches everywhere and stuff like that, mirrors on the stage, but you sit in that room and you grab yourself a cocktail and you listen to whatever band is on stage, no matter what it is, and they eclectically vary night to night, but they have gigs seven nights a week and they're the only ones in town who'd still do it. Yeah. And because... Oh, big ups for that. Yeah, crazy. And do it. Yeah. Look, I, I implore everybody to go everybody has one night free in the week go there support it $20 entry sometimes it's $10 sometimes it's $5 sometimes it's free entry and they actually started with open entry and pay us what you think the band's worth yeah as a donation on your way out the door yeah you know unfortunately it it didn't last uh, a couple of years because People walking people out going, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, people get drunk, they're walking out going, oh, well, no, I'm going to keep my money for the next week, the next yeah, bar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame, you know. Be better than that, people. Yeah. Be better than that, people. That's a great concept. 100% great concept. Um, but we are still blessed in this city that we have places like the Enmore Theatre. Yeah. Started in 1910 as an open-air cinema. It is now officially the longest-running live venue in New South Wales. Big ups. Okay, yeah. Big ups. Bravo. Yeah. Big ups to the uh, insert later. Sakaki family? Greek family. Friend of mine, Bill. His family. Century Venues are still pushing great love music. They own the Metro, Enmore, and Factory Theatres. And. They're just good people who love good music, you know? But, but those three venues, too, are pretty much the only mid-size venues in Sydney. As, as opposed to the Horton Pavilion, which yeah, holds... Yeah, Horton, which 5, holds... 5,000? Yeah, 5,000, 6,000. Okay, okay and then, so uh, Enmore uh, uh, holds 3,500. Yeah. Uh, the Metro will hold 1,500. Yeah. And the factory is about 1,000. About 1,000. And then, you know, I mean, other than that, you go up to your twenty, thirty thousand. 30,000... You know, seated Aquis Arena and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, look, if, if you've never stood in the Enmore and walked into that foyer, they've kept it as original from that uh, Art Deco of the, you know, mid-40s, yeah. right through the 60s, and you walk in and they haven't changed a thing. They've done some expansions and tidied things up, but it's about standing in that theatre. Now, I would like to tell people the best place to stand in that venue, Don't. but I'm not going to. You know why? Because fuck you. It's my it, spot. It, it took me 20 years to find it, and it's perfect. See, I got lucky is that you showed me. <laughs> you got lucky. I mean, to fill everybody in, my father owns a fasting company, yeah. Bolts and Nuts, and uh, Bill, one of the family of the Enmore family, has been a good friend of my father's and buying bolts and nuts to hold the theatres together. Yeah. And we still, to this day, supply the fasters to hold that theatre together. (laughs) 
funny enough, it's getting more and more over the really? years. Yeah. Um, for that, I, I do one courtesy thing mm. where I trade deal. I don't charge Bill for uh, fasteners to hold the place yeah. together. He doesn't yeah. charge me for tickets. No. And I get two tickets every time I want to go. Um, but it's great because I'm a gig pig. <laughs> and I see, I, 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 see, I see a lot of gigs. I'm pretty sure, though, that you told me that there was only one that he couldn't get your tickets for. Dylan. No, Rolling Stones. Oh, Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, two. two. Yeah. yeah, couldn't get me in the Rolling Stones. They brought in their own security and Dylan filled up the guest list with his entourage. <laughs> That was sold out, gig. Sold out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the worst thing was when I spoke to him the next day, he came in to get some bolts, and I said, oh, how was he? He said, let me tell you, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot at the end mall, but that was the best. Shit. <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the arms. <laughs> Bill, if you do listen to this, <laughs> I love you, but it's how I felt at the time. Uh, but look I, I do have to give a big up to uh, Century Venues yep. which is the core company that is keeping you know that mid-size uh, yep. you know venues alive the Metro the Factory the Enmore plus you know plus not only music with those guys I mean they do a lot of comedy oh, and, the know, comedy like festival this, I mean yeah. and, and the, trust me the comedy festivals are holding that place together for yeah. a simple reason you know five comedians with one microphone yeah. and a sound check yeah. are good to go. Yeah, a little bit of lighting. A little bit of light. Right? Yeah. One spotlight. You put on a full concert, you yeah. got shit to deal with. And staff. And, and, and yeah. staff. Yeah. Trust me, comedy gigs, your security, you don't need it as much as you do as uh, no. seeing um, Death Wish. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Not that Death Wish fans would get rowdy, but I'm, yeah. just, I'm not putting anyone in a box. No. Um... But interesting fact, the Metro Theatre was bought by Century Venues in 2006 and they changed the name to Century Theatre and it lasted about 18 months. Yeah. Because everyone kept calling it the Metro. It yeah. was the Metro. Yeah. And Century, Century Venues bought it for one reason because uh, the Metro Theatre as it was um, basically booked a lot of bands and couldn't pay them. Yeah, right. And developers were like vultures. Oh. They were circling. Yeah. They. I mean, that's prime position to yeah. put up some George apartments. Street. Yeah. Exactly. The family came in and said, listen, we want to keep it, and we want to keep it how it is. And as a sweetener for the deal, we'll buy it under market value, but what we will do is we will repay all the bands that have been... Dude. They haven't been paid. Haven't been paid. Yeah. It'll take us minimum five years, but we will pay them off yeah. if you let us do it. So it was agreed upon. Century Venues came in and they slowly over a five, six, let's say 10 year period out of the bands that they booked and the gigs they had, they slowly paid back all the bands that have been burnt by the previous orators. Yeah, right. And they did it for one reason. They wanted those bands to come back and play again. Yeah. And they all do. And you look at it now, um, great example in 2007, Foo Fighters came out here for the big stadium tour. Yeah. They touched down, they did a warm-up gig, 
at the Metro. Yeah, right. The killers followed suit many years later. Yeah. They came for their stadium venues. They came for a warm-up gig. You know, you've been touring, you've been doing this stuff. You come in, you play to a thousand people. No specialty, it's just a bit of an insider gig. And yeah. then, bang, right, our chops are good. We're yeah. ready for the stadiums. Yeah. So many big bands have used that venue as the launching pad to get themselves in tune for to a do bigger, bigger kudos, shows. to do A and Z. Yeah. You know, and, hey, smart. But also, like, you think that those guys, I mean, that size club was where they would have cut their chops. So it would be a nice change to come in and do that Look. as opposed to playing okay, I'm playing in front of 40,000 people, but the nearest person is 15 metres away from me. One of the first gigs that, um, one of the biggest bands in the world, I mean, they can't do anything but book a stadium now. In 2001, Coldplay cut their chops at the Metro. Yeah, yeah. And they paid it back when they did a deal in 2000, I'm going to say 14 or 15 they did a one-off show at the end more yeah right to pay back pay back that, that yeah yeah i mean you know what love yeah. still exists within the industry it has to yeah you know you, you it's got to be full circle yeah yeah no that's amazing mm, yeah. i don't little facts i looked up hang on let me flip a page <laughs> i've covered everything right There's just one of the band that I want to talk about. Yeah. That has just been really... I think it's... I think it's been about a year now. I'll be pretty hard-pressed not, you know, seven-day week, not to listen to them five times. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have a big back catalogue. No. But I've really got to pay respect to uh, Gang of Youths. Yeah? I do. And I know they're, after with the last album, uh, Go Father in Lightness, they've really tipped over, I wouldn't call them mainstream, but they've tipped over a general population. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're talking about a couple, no different to you, yeah. right? And, I, and this is what I love about this story. These guys met... Okay, uh, whilst visiting Hillsong out in the western suburbs, which is, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's a huge... Oh, it's massive out there. Yeah. yeah. And it's about the music. Yeah. It's about God. Yeah. But I love what the lead singer, David, who I cannot pronounce even though it's French Tahitian, I should be able to pronounce it. I look at it and go, what the fuck? <laughs> Le Upe, yeah. I think. He says, I believe in Jesus. I just don't think he's the best poster boy for it. You know, and I, and I yeah. love that. Yeah. Look, their, their first album, um, their debut album, The Positions, in 2013, yeah. look, had some great tracks. I mean, it's been a long time since I've listened to an album where a band opens with a six and a half minute ballad balls out song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, no, that's, that's a statement. That's track seven usually. Exactly, you that's know? a statement. And you know what? Yeah. They, you know what? They're fucking track one. Yeah. Six and a half minutes. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, also a little bit you, of a fuck you to the industry the as well. That, yeah, because I, they would, yeah, they yeah. would have been fought on that on yeah. every occasion. But uh, vital signs. Look, it starts off as a nice little 
ballad and you know the lead singer he um you know he he writes all the lyrics and the music yeah right you know yeah. i'm sure the band yeah they say that wikipedia who would you fucking believe <laughs> listen our facts aren't great people no but look they they look no matter what band you're in everyone has their it adds their it adds their spice to it exactly you know? so yeah. you know there's songs that i can say yeah i wrote that but I didn't write the guitarist line note for note. Mm. It was like, dude, do me something like this, mm. you know? Or it may be the other, maybe the complete other case with him, he may do that, you know, but everyone adds their little, little two cents. Oh, 100%. Adds their salt and yeah, pepper. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, in 2007, August 2007, they released um, Go Father in Lightness. Mm-hmm. And I... I I got onto it pretty early because I did like their first album when I first got oh, you know, I had iTunes and I was like, right, yeah, I, Apple Music, I'll listen to this. Fuck, from the, um, from the first chord of that album, I was like, oh, wow, you've got me. Yeah, right. You've got a string arrangement, you've got pianos. And that album for me has been the best album in the last year that I've listened to yeah. internationally. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and... They've also proved themselves internationally. They did seven opening gigs for Food Fighters Fair. on the on, on, on their American on, on the American tour. Yeah, not over here. Not, not yeah. over in Europe, not in Australia. So on the yeah. American, they did six opening gigs for them. More than anything, last year they were nominated for five arias. Yeah, and I get that. Everyone throws you know best best live band of the yeah. year and best new yeah. What I like about it, okay. They were nominated for Best Engineer of the Year. Yeah. You know what? That's yeah. more important than anything else. <laughs> and Adrian Breakspear and Peter Holtz were the engineers and they yeah. won that award. Yeah, right. And they're the little things that I love about that. Yeah. You know? Uh, other highlights for them? Fuck. Tell me another band in Australian history since the Hottest 100 started have had three songs in the top 10. Not Australian bands, couldn't tell you. Exactly. Yeah. They're the first. Yeah. They got 10, 5 and 2. Fuck. I mean... That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a fucking statement on, you know, and you know what I love? They're from Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Western Sydney boys and they're true to their roots. They are playing at the moment at the uh, Enmore. They've got it's their comeback. Yeah. Because they've been overseas. Overseas, doing they ha- the actually had yeah. to. They had to move to London due to the keyboardist visa complications yeah. in Australia. They had to relocate to London, but it just made better their lyrics uh, because they, you know, talk about going to Paris yeah. and experience, mate. Experience. experience brings good lyrics. hundred percent. Yeah. Listen, great band. They did have to cancel their first show because the lead singers had a bit of a uh, vocal the f- virus. Frog in the throat. Frog in the throat. Yeah. They couldn't play the opening gig last night. Mm. I haven't checked if they've been able to play Re-book tonight. Yeah. Oh, no, they've rebooked it already. They yeah. rebooked it. <laughs> Century Venues Bank, we rebooked it. Yeah. <laughs> 29th of January. Your tickets are still good. Still valid. And this, is, yeah. and this thing sold out. Five shows sold yeah. out in two days. Fuck. I'm, like, I'm, no, I'm not going to get tickets. Yeah. And I know the owner. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I, but, I honestly have not. Couldn't tell you any song of this. I've not heard of any no. of their stuff. So, so no, no, I'll go and check it out. But for yeah, sure. definitely. they're the first Australian band uh, to do MTV Unplugged in yeah. Australia. Yeah, right. And I was lucky enough to get the. They still stuff. doing that. Well, they've just done it for, just the, done for it. the first yeah. time in many years. Yeah. with this band, Gang Fuck. of Youths. That's and, amazing. Um, it's a double album. I bought it. Uh, I got my new. Um, on Influence and You, I bought a record player <laughs> because I had so much rare vinyl. And people, yeah. if you look around the room, if you look at our socials, if you look around the room, I'm a collector of uh, yeah. different posters and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll be I'll be putting a few of those up. I've got photos of all of them now, so. <laughs> <laughs> he can't wait till I die. Because <laughs> no, he knows no, no. his name's on the back of a no, couple No, 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 no. I don't want you to die. It's all right. <laughs> People, if I go missing, <laughs> don't light a candle. <laughs> go straight to Paul. Come check the posters. <laughs> Come check the posters. Whatever posters are missing, that's who killed me. That's it. But I, 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 when I was living in Australia, when I had a permanent address, I did collect a lot of vinyl, a lot of rare vinyl, because it was about the rarity of it, and, and yeah. it, it, it's, it was never played. It's never been played. And a lot of it never got out of the protective covering. Yeah. But do you argue with yourself about that? Because well, I've, um, I've been talking to... Because my son has started collecting vinyl. Little bastard how, at the moment has more than me. Um, and he got that, that James Addiction box set, the Silver Spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was debating with himself whether to open it. Okay. And my thing is you can't hear it if it's still wrapped up. It's yeah. Look, listen... If you take care of it and you, you look after it, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You need to be able to listen to it. You have to be able to enjoy it. He, he, he there's a, uh, what was that, that hip hop guy we, we, you got him tickets at the, at the, um, at the end, Joey Badass. Oh, right? Joey Badass. Joey Badass. Now, supposedly he's good. That's great night because I I got him tickets and you took me out for dinner and got me drunk. (laughs) As a thank you. As a thank you. And then we drove back and then waited. That's it. But, you know, he had his limited edition album that he got and he put it in a frame and stuck it up on his wall and then the hook broke and it fell off the wall and fucked the disc up, right? No. And it's like, so he he ended up, he found another copy. um, But it's like, bro, just, just listen to it. Keep the shit one that's got the scratch on it, put that mm. back in the frame and hang that up because that's mm. destroyed now, but now you've got something visual to look at, but listen to the record. You know, that's, that's what it's for. Like, uh, I understand from a collector's point of view mm-hmm. that that's like, no, 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 I want to have it in that pristine condition because that's where the value is. But to me, the value is, and what makes it value is valuable is the music that's on the record. Absolutely. You know? And, and, and recently... How the fuck would you buy it otherwise if you didn't like the music? No one's <laughs> well, going to fucking buy it. Well, Listen, no one's going to buy it, Joey Badass, and think, you know what? I'm fucking hanging on to this cunt because in 20 years it's going to triple in value. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no, no, no. no, no. Exactly. Recently, I, I'm sure when uh, when I got my record player, yeah. you saw my Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And I you opened the, up... The Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam Vitology. Now, yeah. I bought that album when I was 22 years old, I was living in San Francisco. The day it was released, I was in Berkeley. 
Telegraph Avenue. Yeah. And it just come out. And I bought it right there and then. It cost me $20 US. And it was in the plastic wrapper. Yeah. And I shipped it home. And my mother used to put everything into this wooden chest that was... Um, uh, it was a 21st birthday present yeah. made by... And you know what? People don't. Handmade by my girlfriend at the time, Robin. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still have that chest. Still got it. Yeah. yeah. And Robin... I haven't forgotten. If, <laughs> if we're 50 and single... <laughs> Anyway. Let's just follow the Instagram link. <laughs> <laughs> and I had not opened that. And I... The, it was the... The first time I played was... Um, Jane's Addiction. Cover of Whole Lot of Loving. Yep. Guess what the side B of that is? Oh, you told me, but I don't remember. Oh, we talked about it tonight. Yeah. Slow. Slow Divers. That's... Good song. It's the yeah. it's the B side of that. Yeah. That was the first thing I played because it had never been played. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And then I unwrapped Biotology. And I played that thing and I laid here on my floor and I listened to it and you know what? I it it took me back to when I played it in my room and let me tell you people, like we've got Apple Music, we've got Spotify, we've got all that and it's all clear and and it's amazing. Yeah. It's great and it sounds great, but it does not sound as good no. or warm or as full as it does on vinyl, and, no. and we don't know why. No, I mean it's an in, it's an intangible quality. Even um, even listen, even Leroy came to me the other night and he was listening to because again I've, I've, I know I mentioned it before, but the Tribe Called Quest documentary that he and I watched together, which is fucking great, people just. If you like hip hop at all, it's it really taps into it that whole early nineties movement, especially out of New York. And he has uh, Midnight Marauders on um, on vinyl, and he bought me Low End Theory, which was their second album. That's their second and third albums. And he's yeah, I mean he's listening to the album a lot on on his on his phone, going to school, going to training, doing whatever he's doing. Yeah. And he came to me, he said, oh, fuck, I'll put that. I said, I, he said, I'll put Midnight Marauders on. He said, you know what? The crackle makes a difference. Oh. He said, the crackle of the, the needle picking up the dust and, and running through the grooves. And and he's not, it's not like he's got a massive stereo with, you know, super duper speakers. No, or, but also, he, he doesn't have a childhood. I mean, this is his childhood. He yeah. doesn't have a childhood reference like No, we no, do. he's got nothing to compare it to, but no. it was like, yeah, dude, it, it, it is different. It is a different, it's a different. And, and I'm sure there has to be a scientific reason for the sound waves to be different. There has to be something there. So, okay, you know? there's a guess that we need to find. Yeah. Okay, we've, we've already pinged. A little hint to our yeah. listeners. Episode 12, we are having a university psychologist come in to tell us why. The question of why we started this podcast is, yeah. is why is the music we listen to between the ages of 13... The, about 13 to, to 20. 13 yeah. to 20. Sculpture, the tone and the genre of the music that we listen to the rest of our lives. So, a little spoiler alert. Yeah. Episode and, 12... That's what we're looking for. We yeah. are interviewing people between now and then about why they think it is. Yeah. Paul and I are going to talk shit about why we think it is. Yeah. But we're why actually going to get some facts. 
Yeah, yeah that, um, uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I want a guy who's studied sound, vo- sound, vo- sound waves, and and what what the difference is between a digital signal and an analog signal, because that's basically what you're dealing with. You know, I mean the the turntables now are great in that they have a you you know the one I've got has a USB output, so any record that I get, I can actually record it onto a computer and then listen to it later mm. as an analog signal okay so that's you know i mean there, there's you know some great you can still record it into your phone and walk down mm. the street and listen to it mm. but there's the you know there's and the, the the other big thing is what you said i put it on i lay on my floor and i listen to it when do you do that with your phone nah. Fuck, never no. Uh, put it on in the car I'm driving to work yeah, I'm doing here I'm going for a walk I'm doing that I'm on the bus I'm doing this, this. But the ritual of sitting with a record and listening to it I'm sure makes a difference to how you hear it oh 100% you know, has to I mean I had a few drinks the other night wasn't bothered about TV and um, I, I, I just had this hankering for Concrete Blonde, so I flipped through what vinyl I have, and I found it's old Concrete Blonde. And I, yeah. I looked at it straight away, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's, that has that live version of Tomorrow Wendy on." And I was like, "Yeah, I can go for some of that right now." Yeah, and I kind of played that side, but you know, moved through it because it's a bit heavier. It was about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I've been at a party. I come up like. People, yeah. I, were, I was blasted. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to lay on my ca- uh, on my carpet and listen to that. And yeah. um, so I skipped right through and uh, I played Tomorrow Wendy, uh, the live version recorded in Melbourne off this album. And um, it, it was probably 30 seconds in and I, I, I started to cry. Yeah. I mean, I physically cried. And let me tell you, I'm not a cryer. I, no. I can't remember the last time I cried, but it brought me to tears listening yeah. to that because it took me back to laying in my bedroom when I was 15 years old, listening to that and going, wow, this is a song about a girl who's dying of AIDS and all this kind of stuff. And it was very emotional. And it just, but you have to it, remember what what AIDS was at that time too, you know? Like it was, well, it was incurable. It was, yeah, it was incurable. I mean, there I was, mean, I'm not saying it's curable now, but... Uh, you no, know, but I was thinking, actually thinking about that today and the... the when do you hear about it anymore? No. You yeah. don't. I mean, it was, you know, fundraisers with uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Michael Jackson. And, mm. you know, that that's the level of celebrity that was behind it to, to you know, try and find a cure. And there's a there's something... Is on, on I was listening to Midnight Marauders on the way up here today. And there is a line on that where they, they say percentage of black people dying of AIDS is on mm. the increase. And then... Yeah, you don't hear about that anymore. So that no. song, even though it's, it's not their song, it's Andy Preboy. And, yeah, it was yeah. Andy Preboy who wrote the song. When, um, when you hear it on that live version talking about yeah, it could happen to you, it could be the person next to you. And, you well, know, I, like, I, I believe that she says that, um, this song by Andy Preboy. Uh, yeah. There's it's about AIDS. Who a few people in this some some people have this room. Some people will have it in this room. Yeah, a few. These people will have it in this room. Yeah. You know it. We should stop it. 
This yeah. is for Wendy. Yeah. And that's how she introduces the yeah. song because at the time, there would have been more than one person in that room. Oh, 100%. Knowing or not knowing. But yeah. they had HIV, HIV, not full-blown AIDS. Yeah. If they had full-blown AIDS, I mean, you weren't at the gig. No. Nah. No. Nah. But yeah, that's a, that, that's that that's that power that we're oh. trying to tap into with this with this discussions that we're having now. Mm. Is that power that that music, that version of that song, which you can listen to, you know, in in numerous formats, but that what she says at that moment takes you almost physically back to, you know, the the late 80s, early 90s when that was the biggest problem on the planet. Oh, it was. You know. And that's, that's fucking powerful hey, shit. That, that, that was the time when we were growing up. We were trying to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking scary time. You know what? Younglings, enjoy your chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, because it. it won't kill you. It won't kill you. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I've got another question for you. Yeah. How, do, how does your son or yourself buy vinyl records right now? At the moment, mm. um, there's some things we order online. Mm-hmm. Like I know he just got the new Action Bronson. Um, he ordered it from the States because it came with a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Even though he's got the digital download anyway. Sure. He, got, that, but he's, he wants the vinyl. He wants the vinyl and he sure. wants the T-shirt, you know, because okay. it was a limited edition. Uh, mostly we go to JB Hi-Fi mm-hmm. because they have vinyl. Um and there's a place in Wollongong called Music Farmers, okay. which we go to as well. Great name. We spoke Great about name. This, We've spoken yeah, we about, spoke about this in another yeah. podcast. Yeah, Music Farmers music in farmers Wollongong. In Wollongong. Yeah. yeah. Go and see them if you're down on uh, the south coast. Or yeah, Wollongong. they're great. Look, they're great guys in there too, and mm. and it's just uh, they have all knowledgeable. the knowledgeable. Yeah, knowledgeable. They have all the reissue stuff, and mm. and then they have older vinyl in there as well. But they also so. have a, I believe. Uh, your son was able to get an inside track on a Rage Against the Machine. There was yeah, a there was a, there was a, and, a, a, and out to certain. Yeah, there places. was a certain limited um, a number of uh, records pressed of Rage Against the Machine playing live outside the Democratic. No, I think it was the, the. Sorry, that was Midnight Oil. That was Midnight Oil. That's right. The Democratic Conference. Um, it would have been mid nineties. Yeah, and it, the someone in the crowd had recorded they didn't they didn't record the gig oh, right. someone in the crowd recorded it and then i think took it to them later and, and then they, and then they did it good enough yeah and they did a limited Completely. release yeah and yeah. he got the inside running and the guy had two copies there and yeah he got one so he was okay. stoked so no this is how <laughs> it was done back in my day now, i'll hold this up look at this this was a this was mailed to me in um The second of the ninth, ninety-three. Oof. Before the internet. Before the interweb. Before the interweb. So wasn't even the, the information superhighway then. It was not. <laughs> no. This is how you, if you wanted to get your vinyl, this is how you got it. If this was the beginning of um, I guess online buying. Yeah. Will you open that for me? Yeah. Pull that out and tell me what you see. Ooh. So, music video catalogue, 
So from Victoria. Yeah. So what's this catalogue? So this is catalogue that you could order off a guy by mail. By mail. By right. mail. This is all by mail. So, so, the, so this, this is his list that he gave this out. Is, to this, me. So this, this is the is, list. Okay, so yeah. let's list some of these bands. So Aerosmith. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I think I was at that gig too. Yeah, yeah. so these are bootleg gigs. Bootleg gigs. Um, Aerosmith, Anstrax, ACDC, Alice in Chains, Black Crows, Seattle, 89. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 91 in Florida. 93. Well, 93 was when they would have just after they exploded. Yeah. Yeah. But 89, 50 minutes. Black Crows, Bon Jovi. Cheap Trick, Eric Clapton, Elvis Costello, The Cure, Faith No More, Guns N' Roses, Kiss. Kiss. Of course. <laughs> I can't believe they're... they're and Kiss still, continue. Kiss continue. <laughs> Listen, not a fan. I'm putting it out there now. <laughs> not a fan, but kudos because they're still going, you know. Uh, Motley Crue, Megadeth, Metallica, Prince... Queen, The Ramones, Rolling Stones, David Lee Roth, Sex Pistols, Bruce Springsteen, Jesus Christ, Striper, <laughs> uh, Skid Row, Thin Lizzy, U2, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, U2 in 84, that would have been when they were good. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, un- that's, that's a this nice was, piece. Okay, this is, this is a mail order. Yeah. And I would get this. And they said we're going to have the prices there. Yeah, yeah. Three dollars fifty for one tape, six for two or more. Exactly. Yeah. And they'd make you tapes and send you the tapes. Yeah. Amazing. That's unbelievable. I mean, this is <laughs> it's got to be in the Rock and Roll Museum somewhere. Oh. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a nice piece to have, man. It is a nice piece. Yeah. Really, really. Because nice it really movie. like yeah, it, it's it's. Now, like that stuff would be, you know, $15 on, on Apple, you know? 100%, you know, yeah. we're talking $3.50 for a videotape. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a video VHS tape. <laughs> Bootleg to fuck. Yeah. Please make money orders or checks out to D. Lally. Personal check, okay, but must clear first. <laughs> Send to D. Lally, P.O. Box, Nidori, Victoria. I want a fucking contact this guy. find that guy i want to find this guy yeah and see if he has any, any of his stuff well google that name man there's a couple of things on there that i wouldn't mind seeing yeah but, that's yeah, but that done. that aerosmith gig the sydney one mm. i'm sure i was there yeah because i saw them around around 89 90 because mm. when that's that's when pump was the you know janie's got a gun and all that fucking shit that they had that was mm. there their comeback after they died, you know? Before Run DMC, I mean? No, no, after Run DMC. Run DMC oh. was sort of 84, 85. Okay. Yeah. And they'd sort of, like, there was a couple of albums, Permanent Vacation and mm. stuff that they'd released, but they, yeah, Pump was the one they came back with. Okay. Yeah. There was an article in the, in the Sydney Morning Herald after, after that tour, and they said if they had, that album hadn't come out, they would have played Selena's. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so... See, Pump is an album, okay? Um, I worked at Kmart. 
Yeah. As you know. Yeah, yep. I used to mix paints in the hardware section at Bondo Junction. Yeah. I, I was a good paint mixer. <laughs> My first paycheck, I bought Transvision Vamp <laughs> on cassette. I, I want your love. <laughs> Wendy James, blonde hair, blue eyes. I was, I was you know, I'm like, uh, oh, I know, and, I and know. listen, I was 14 and horny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. A couple of months later, CD was invented or yeah, became mainstream. Yeah. So my Saturday paycheck, I bought my first two CDs, Aerosmith Pump, yeah. Hunters and Collectors. Yeah. It's my yeah. two. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure I had Aerosmith on vinyl. Ooh. I think. I don't know, it was too long ago. But fancy pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we recommend everybody invest in vinyl. Yeah, hundred percent. Just well worth it. It's it's well worth just it. for fun. You know. Yeah. Don't be. I have some friends from Melbourne, musician friends, who are just fucking hipsters. You know what? Yeah. They buy vinyl all the time, and guess what? Yeah. They don't have a player. Nah. No, no. If you're gonna buy something, listen to it. It's about listening it's about to it. About listening to it is the, the the part of it that's more important. And I think it's. What we're trying to do here is encourage people to listen. Yeah. I mean, take that moment to put something on, on any format. Yeah. Turn your screen off. Lay, lay, in the fl- lay on the floor in the dark. Yeah. Smoke a joint. And drink just, a glass of wine. Do whatever you need to do to put yourself in a good mood and then let and yourself just go. just close your eyes and get sucked up. Yeah. Get taken on a journey. Exactly. Because yeah. that's why they wrote it for us. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening. That was another great episode. Great episode. Awesome. Uh, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Check out our Instagram, at Zoyola Podcast. Upcoming guests, little highlights, little bits of video and stuff. Um, if you want to drop us a line. Please do. Please do. Send us an email, Podcast at yahoo.com. Pick us up on some mistakes. Uh, remember, though, Zoyola is spelt with an X. Not a Z. Generation X. Generation X. Um, but yeah, look, we're open to all feedback. Um, if you give us a follow on Instagram, we'll give you automatic follow back. Just because that's the lovely guys that we are. So lovely. So lovely. Very happy. Um, look, if you want to be a guest, you know of someone that wants to be a guest, you like what we're doing, you just want to say g'day, just drop us a line. We'll, we'll read everything, try and get back to you if we can, and uh, hopefully give you a shout out if possible. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.